Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now before we get started, I just wanted to um, mention a couple things first. Happy New Year! This is the first episode of the new year. Although, I'll be honest, I my brain doesn't think that way with the podcast. I just kind of do them and put them off. I'm a crazy person. But, on that note, I did a little some, something special for the new year. If you follow me on over on Instagram, if you follow the, my personal account, at Alex Cohan, not at Lunchbox underscore podcast. Lunchbox, at, not at Lunchbox Radio underscore podcast. If you follow my personal account and you follow me for at least a couple of years, you know that every year I generally do a um, New Year's illustration because I have drawn for years. I am a... I have training as an animator, as a graphic designer, as an illustrator, all that fun jack jazz. So I, you know, put that to work and I do some sort of traditional New Year's illustration. I did one for Year of the Rat. Um, I've done. I did one for a year for Year of the Ox. Um, I've done one kind of for every year, but this year I did something a little different because something that I finally figured out how to do was to use a specific piece of software that is not so much a 3D modeler as it is a character customizer almost, which is like you can customize stuff within an inch of its life. You can make things, you can make custom anime characters that are like to your exact, exact specifications. And oftentimes this, you, the place you'll see the software most used is in a is in a VR environment called VRChat. And the software I'm talking about is a little piece of software that is actually free at the time of this recording. Is. I, it's free and I don't think they ever have plans for monetizing it in the way of charging you for it, is the way I would put it. Um, and it's this app called Vroid Studio. Um, you can go look it up. It's free. You can get it on both Mac and PC. I use it on primarily on a Mac. It is probably best used on a PC, but it is essentially a character creator without a game attached to it. And what I have been searching out to do and what I'm from what I can understand has only been possible to do over the past couple of years of the existence of both Blender and Vroid Studio is to be able to make a character and export them and then import them into Blender and do a and export that from Blender and be able to 3D print the character I made. I recently did that with a character that I'm titling Usagiri-chan for 2023 and and she is a bunny girl for the Year of the Rabbit and I posted the, the entire process over on A, YouTube, and B, TikTok. You can find both of them um, over on TikTok. I believe my name is at, um, I think, Snackbox Tango is my, is my name there. But I will post links to both the profiles. And actually, I might post just a link to the actual TikTok so you can see the whole, my whole process on that, because it's a really interesting, fun, like, deeply nerdy 
expression of my otakuness and anime fandom and you might be interested in it so definitely go check that out but on that note oh, let's jump into what i want to talk about today that's a little movie um from i think 2019 i'm not maybe i'm misremembering that though a little move a little movie called the shirobako movie
Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Shirobako, it's a 24 episode series from from back in 2014, and I think it I think it debuted in the fall of 20 in the fall season for 20 for not 2018 2014. Sorry, I meant 2014. Um, and it was produced by. It was licensed by Sentai Filmworks, produced by PA Works. And it is essentially a... It's a very otaku-focused show, but not in the way that you're thinking. It's all about the production of anime. And what they mean by shirobako is actually the phrase white box, which is a way to think about the sheet of paper that you drawn to create a traditional hand-drawn animation. And what this essentially attempts to do is it attempts to be almost like an a edutainment focused show where they just they tell you how animation is made. They tell they show you the process of making animation. Yes, with some stylistic flourishes and like some fantasy in there, but it's really kind of a a kind of hat part entertainment part docu series of look this is how this is how the animation industry works and this or the way I would put it is the way the movie eventually tells you straight up this is how the animation industry worked in the boom times and it has this. And it's one of my it's one of my favorite series to have come out in that year and in general. So I was really surprised when I just it didn't the movie didn't jive with me and I I, I sat there and I sat there for a second and I wondered why and I actually didn't finish the movie so this won't be a big like comprehensive thing but I kind of realized what the deal was, why I didn't, why I didn't love this thing the way I love Shirobako, why I didn't love coming back to the characters, and even in an even bigger moment, why I didn't love more of a good thing, because that's what everybody always hopes, is more of a good thing is also a good thing. And every once in a while it's not. So, but before I get there, I want to tell you the very funny story about how I finally got the Blu-ray copy of this movie, because I, and I may have told part of the story on, um, on my pod, on my Sunday edition about going to Anime NYC, which you should totally go check out in the feed in whatever podcast app you're using to listen to me right now, but... I was wandering. I was walking the. I was walking the show. I was watching walk, walking the show floor at Anime NYC, and I happened upon the Eleven Arts booth. Now, Eleven Arts booth was different this time than it was previously because it was much. I think it was much smaller because they didn't have. Unlike last time, they did not have a huge release coming out in the way of. Um, Weathering With You or um, A Silent Voice. And something you should know about me as a silent voice is 
probably one of my favorite anime movies of all time. And a lot of that is because I am a disabled person and that show and that move that film is about growing up with disability and it's about someone who it's specifically about not somebody with a disability as the primary character, but somebody who when he was young deeply tormented somebody who was disabled. And he has been made to feel the full impact of what that means and what and what kind of like evil he was unwittingly he was at first unwittingly but then very unknowingly just kind of perpetrating on another human and it's it's very clearly a love story it's very clearly like a story of redemption but it's also one of the best depictions of disability kind of in film <laughs> um in a lot of the same way actually hilariously that um both um that uh, Hawkeye series from Disney Plus was from a from probably about a year or two back now, um, from a little while ago. I'm not gonna say a year because I want to commit to that. Could could very well come out this year, post pandemic. Every year is at least ten years, in the way it feels. So who the fuck knows? But it very similar to that show and very similar to the, um, to that show Gangsta. And actually, it's most similar to the show Gangsta because Nicholas in that show is just deaf. He's just deaf. And it, like, that show is amazing at, like, being like, okay, here's this character who's deaf, and here are all the side characters, many of whom do not give a shit that he's deaf. <laughs> and, like, the people who do are the people who are about to get their ass kicked in that show. But, so, A Silent Voice is one of my favorite animated films of all time. And I've been looking for a poster for a silent voice for a long time. And if you were at MAOIC, you know that they were giving away um, posters with the purchase of a silent vo of the a silent voice Blu-ray box set. But here's the rub. I have that movie. I have that movie for, I, I think both digitally and physically, but I definitely have it physically. I don't need another. I don't need another copy of it. But I want. But I wanted the poster. So the rep who is so the um rep from. From Eleven Arts, just kind of like was like, listen, you want to do a drug deal for this poster? I got you. Anything from this table, and that poster is yours. And I was like, okay, what. We in it. So I picked up, since I love Shirobako, I picked up Shirobako alongside, but my goal was the free promotional poster, which is now framed on my movie poster wall, and I'm very happy about it. But when, I'm, when I picked up this movie, I'm like, oh good, I now have a reason to watch the Shirobako movie. And I, and I just like, I dove, I dove into it one morning when I woke up really early in the morning and I stopped because it was too cold and then I kept not coming back to it and I kept not coming back to it and I kept not coming back to it 
This episode has been meaning to happen for a couple weeks now, is what I'm saying. Um, and what ended up happening is I started over again, literally before recording this, and I just, I just had a moment where, I'm, where I was just like, I'm not into this. I'm not into doing this, into dealing with this, into what, into what this movie is doing. And... I came to the conclusion because that was because of one thing that was pretty key in its in the difference between this movie and the show. So in in the show Shirobako, they're creating anime in what many people refer to as the anime bubble. Oh for, as as an anime bubble, not precisely the bubble that existed, um, that had existed recently or the one that burst back in the 2000s, but you're led to understand that, like, it's a good time to be into anime in the time that you are watching the original Shirobako. And... The show is full, is so laden of, with references to all kinds of anime, including the opening sequence of Shirobako, which is just a race from Initial D. I can't stress that enough. If you've never seen Shirobako and you've seen Initial D, just watch the first couple minutes of it and you'll be like, holy shit, they did an Initial D race in a minivan. This is... Unhinged. And it's this. The show becomes this almost celebration of. Do, of A, doing what you love, but B, anime and producing. An, but specifically producing animation when you grew up loving animation and you know, like you. Maybe you were in a group with a bunch of your friends and you did a. like a niche little indie animation and that's what that show that's what that show was and yes that show and yes Shirobako touches on like the trials and tribulations and it gets hard at points and they, they struggle that's what makes a good show but what the movie is is it's it's after the bubble burst it's after it's, the movie is, the show is the good times, the movie is the hard times. The movie is, what does it look like when a, when a studio can't be firing on all cylinders? When a studio is just doing the, doing the hard work of doing work for money, of producing art for money. And I've talked about this in the Sunday edition before, but. Not every, not every project that you work on as a creative person is like the passion of your life. Oftentimes, it's not the passion of your life. It's something you were hired to do because, not because you have the talent, not because you have some kind of ability that no one else in the world has. It's because you have the skill and you're the right price. And so much of what any creative producers in their life is exactly that. It's 
it's not necessarily a creative endeavor that they pour their heart into. That's what it is at the, at its best. But it is just it's just work that you're doing. It's every creative industry is formed around groups of creative people who have actual skills, like trade trade skills that other people don't have. If you are a designer, that means that you can actually do the work of, and you have the skills of a graphic designer, an interior designer, an, like an architect, something like that. And people are coming to you because, not, be, not because they are like necessarily lovely, flowery, they love your art, they love your work. You do get those people. What people are coming to you for is because they know that there is a value to what you do that will express itself for, the, for their bottom line. And most anime is like that. Most anime is at its heart an in, a piece of intellectual property, and I've talked about this before on the Sunday show too, that is a brand that will that oftentimes starts from, say, a visual novel or a video game or a manga or something, and then has to expand out from that. One of the reasons why it is so uncommon for, while, while it is more common for there to be a source material for an anime than for it to be an uh, anime original show, is because those brands have an, it's like those brands, like the brand of say something like Trigon has an interest in expanding its brand to more viewers, to more potential quote unquote customers who bought straight up buy Trigon merch, who will buy a new figure of Vasta Stampede, who will buy all of that stuff because all that generates money for the, for that, for that brand, the people who make, who make that thing. One of the reasons why everybody is all up in arms about the possibility of a new Rurouni Kenshin adaptation is because that dude's a that dude's a bad man. Dude had child pornography on his computer like recently. It's a big deal. Like it's one thing if you have the old DVDs of Rurouni Kenshin or in any of its iteration, or the old manga, but to produce, but to take that brand and revive it and produce more work, and produce more work in under that umbrella, means he probably gets some sort of that money. He probably gets some sort of support. You are financially supporting that person. And, th and oftentimes people are understandably sorted about supporting like it can you separate the art and the artist in a, in a case like that your support of the art becomes support of the artist and that's a like that's a very worrying fucking thing um it's the reason why in black lagoon if you remember the um the little arc where they were dealing with Nazis on the ocean and they like murdered a boat full of fucking Nazis. They were after a painting. 
that was allegedly painted by Hitler. And the reason why the painting was valuable was not because it was necessarily a good painting for the time period that it was produced. It was fairly average. It's because of the thing connected to it. So, what you have in Shirobako, bringing it back around, is you have, the at first you have just the fantasy of these people coming together and producing a work that they feel good about. And, they, and you see the kind of impassioned arguments of people who have a real pride in what they're doing and what they're working on. Hilariously, you also see another side of the industry in, I forget the character name, there's a character, um, see if I can't find her. In the character of, I believe it's, I forget her name, but there's a character, I think, I think it's Misa, I think it's Misa Toto, uh, but she works as a CGI modeler for a CGI animation studio. And she spends most of her day just making fucking tired shakars. And it's brutal. It is. And she's like deeply disappointed in this also. And the... And Shirobako, the original series, had a lot of conversations about like, listen, like, you, you've got to take mental care of yourself as an artist. Like, you've got to do this stuff. So you can do the work that makes you money so you can, you know, eat, clothe yourself, and sleep in a, in four, with four walls and a roof. Like, that's the goal. But in Misa's, I apologize if I'm getting that wrong, but I believe it's Misa. But um, Misa's, in the beginning of her storyline, you see that reality. You see that it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's not always going to be, you know, like you're doing what you love and you're producing work you're proud of. Sometimes it's going to be, this is for a paycheck and I'm trading on, I'm trading on my vocational skills for a paycheck. I'm doing the like definition of labor for money. <laughs> It's not physical labor, or it's largely mental labor, but it's a kind of mental labor that I'm valued for. So I'm gonna give you a story from when I was a from when I was a much younger human being, and I was a much younger designer, and I was still working as a freelance um, graphic designer in and around New York City. I had a client who had a vacation rental business and they needed branding. And I produced what I would describe as one of the single ugliest logos I've ever done in my career. And I had a I had a um old family friend who was a graphic artist at one point. He ended up being kind of a do it do it all man, like a Swiss Army man kind of thing and that like he did graphic work, he did, you know, landscape work, he did all kinds of stuff. And he was over and I, he saw me like, just kind of like 
sitting at my computer and he, like, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, this fucking email from this client. I had tried to change this logo to be better, to be like a better, an objectively better design. The client loved what I did so much. They like flipped out and they just went at me for like two paragraphs. And he was stunned and he was like, what, what, what'd you make? What, is it that ugly? I'm like, yeah, it is. And I pulled it up and he just looked at me. He goes, you made that? How much did, how much money did she pay you to make that? And I told him, like, that is a lot of money, but still, you're a better man than me. <laughs> but in that in that moment, there was a really good lesson for me. And that lesson was, it's not always going to be, sun, like I said, sh sunshine and rainbows. You're not always going to be doing the most inspirational work. Sometimes you're just paying the bills. And when people say, oftentimes people say, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's fucked up. That's never true. If you love what you do, you have to be very careful about the way you do what you do or else it, it goes from being the love of your life to being just a job. And one of the reasons why I didn't stay in the animation, in my animation program in college, well, the first reason was because the head of the animation department there was a deeply weird asshole. Um, was because I looked at what my future could be in that industry and I thought to myself, I don't want, that's not what I want. I don't want, I don't want a very loosey-goofy, loosey-goofy, artsy existence necessarily. I want something more structured. I want something more professionalized. And so instead I transferred to graphic design and I pursued that and that's really what I got out of my life. I didn't end up working in an animation, at an animation house. I ended up working for myself. I ended up, you know, I ended up with a very different kind of life than I would have had if I had stayed on as an animation major and I had graduated and, uh, and gone that way. Now, arguably... If I had been employed by an animation studio, I would have been a cognitive machine. I would have almost been okay with that, but it's still, it's a very different way of being when you're, when A, your primary art form isn't something you can perform by yourself. Because the thing about professional level anime is... Even somebody like, um, what's faith like, um, the, um, the director of your name, I forget his name, um, Makoto Shinkai, even somebody like Makoto Shinkai, who does a lot of the work himself, has a whole team. Like once, once, and once he started to have a whole team, 
his work got better because he had a whole team supporting him and supporting what he does. And yes, he can do all the individual parts, but he doesn't have to now. And so, especially when you work in a big team and you have to support a big team and like that team grows, you don't just take jobs you're passionate about unless you're charging for, you don't just do job work you're passionate about unless you're charging an arm and a leg to do that work. You end up taking work for the money. You end up producing like shows and films that you don't necessarily always super believe in, but you're going to give it your all and you're going to like do the best job you can on it because your student reputation depends on it. And even though it just pays the bills, you don't, you don't want to suffer the hit of, well, they didn't knock it out of the park on this one. So we're going to look elsewhere with this property that we would have otherwise gone to them with because we don't think they're what they used to be anymore. And one of the... And what this what this movie is about, at least in the beginning, is largely that. Like, you encounter the you encounter the the like production studio that um Allie works at, not at its like biggest, fullest, most beautiful, most beautiful, like crazy thing. You encounter it with. The amount of people it needs to function. The amount of people it needs to to have to produce a you know big titty fan service show in the in the style of something like um Kanti Collection. And it's meant to shock you, it's meant to make you feel bad, it's meant to make you feel make you feel off. But a lot of what at least for me, makes these kind of slice of life employment shows work is a little bit of like optimistic thinking. Is a little bit of like, oh, it'll all work out in the end. Like if you watch something like another show that's very, that I like a whole lot that I've covered on this podcast called New Game. New Game is kind of brutal about the about the video game industry and it like it but it's also really imaginative and um hopeful and yes they have moments where like all like these like moe girls are like coding and they're imbibing energy drinks and dying like at their death but they also have moments where like, it's fun, and it's cute, and that, as, as a person who works as a creative in the world, who, like, skill and ability as a creative person is what makes me money every day, that, I, I know there's a core wrong there, that, like, that they're, they're lying to you, they're, they're lying to you to try and get you to sign up. So the meat grinder can have you. (laughs) 
the grinder demands more meat. And you are the meat. But also, it's just like, it's nice to like, sit down and like, hang out and be like, oh yeah, I would love if my job was less, was like, yeah, maybe just as stressful, if not more stressful, but less deeply humanly cruel. And from, from the minute go of this movie, this movie is like, look, all this like hope, rah, blah, 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 that we were doing, not going to be there. And the, you can tell from this is, the way you can tell from this, and I've watched it twice now, and I love, I may not like watching this movie currently, but I love watching the opening sequence, because the opening sequence is inspired. Because it knows... Uh, a thing that I think more anime, that I think a lot of anime movies, a lot of anime movies that are connected to the series do, is that they, they know you watched the series. They know that, by and large, the majority of people who put their butts in the movie theater seats to see this movie have seen the Shirobako series before. Yes, there'll be some, there'll be a small percentage of people who haven't, but by and large, you'll have seen Shirobaka before. So what they do is they start you out, if they start you out, you think in the same way they're going to start you out. They started you out with the Shirobaka movie. They start you out with two cars and a red light. And you think it's about to be the initial derace sequence for this movie. You think you're about to go on this like wild ride. And then it just doesn't happen. And what you get is you get this beautiful scenic drive through the city streets to this like meandering, very lovely, honestly, song. Kinda in the song is all about being a fuck up and being okay with that. The song is about not hiding the fact that you're hurting. The song is about, like, not engaging and f giving people fake smiles anymore. And it's this beautiful moment. And that's when you realize, like, oh, this is a different thing. This is not going to be this big celebration of anime at its height. It's going to be the reality of what it is to work and do the job. And there was a lot of hype for this movie, and then it kind of disappeared, at least in my memory. I think this is why. It be, the references to stuff is still there. The, like, industry commentary is still there. The core of Shirobako is still there. But it's a very different kind of treatment of it all. It's... It, in the original Shirobako, when you're watching the first series that they're producing, I forget the name of the first series that they produce, it feels like this, like, there's a reference, there's a reverence for what's being produced. It feels like there's, everybody really cares for what they're making, and everybody has this honest, like, desire to make something great. And then you watch the, like, motherfucking can coal, 
clothes exploding off the characters and jiggly jumblies like in your face at all times. And you kind of see how everybody feels. They're like, us oh, fuck. Like, there's a very early comment in the movie where, like, they talk, where they're all watching the episode as it airs. And one of the animators just is like, or one of the, the guy who did the mechanical designs of the jet just goes like, yeah, my mechanical design, my designs for the fighter jet are too realistic. It's kind of wasted on this show. I should tone it down. And you realize, like, oh, they're, they're not, this is not a labor of love. This is a labor of labor. And I, it's like, what I do for a living is, and I work for a family, I'm, I'm part of my own family business. I'm not in charge, but I'm part of my own family business. Is I am what I have chosen to refer to, what our business refers to as a high-end furniture curator. And that essentially means that I function as a interior designer for our, for our internal purposes, for our clients. And I do everything from the room layout to selecting the furniture to all logistic mat, all logistic matters around getting the furniture from the manufacturer and or supplier to the client's residence. And setting it up and making it beautiful. By the end of our season, by the end of our quote-unquote season, we are all just kind of pissed and just need to stop. And just, like, we're not really, we're not so much producing great greatness as we are, like, giving the service. Giving the creative service of what we are, of what we are, Capable of, but not what we're capable of at our best. And that doesn't feel great. And it doesn't feel great. And you've, like, you realize, like, oh, we need to stop. And usually by then, there's, like, another month and a half, and then we do stop for a period of time. And then, we, like, we, we, we all go away. We don't touch our desks. We barely work. Because, for, like... A couple weeks because we're burned out. We're burned out in the way that like any creative, anybody who's in a creative endeavor eventually gets burned out. And people want to believe that like, oh, that's artist block and that's fake. No. What creative people do for a living demands a lot of mental work and mental strain. If you think artist block, it. If you think burnout is artist block, and if you think even artist block is fake, then you have not done enough creative work in your life yet. You will hit, like, you will hit that wall, and what you want to call that wall is different for everybody, and how you deal with it and how long it takes to deal with it is different for everybody, but... One of the reasons why they, one of the reasons why um, everybody um, everybody is so protective of Togashi online now is because Togashi 
if you watch, if you read the latter half of Yu Yu Hakusho, you can see a manga author cramming his head against that wall constantly. You can see the like pain that that man is going through in the panel of like the thing he lo he lo he created and he loves. That's just not fucking cool. Like, they, it, it doesn't feel great to watch that happen to a person. Like, I look at those panels and I'm like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> Go take a nap forever. I don't know what you need, but it's not this Jesus. But there's also a... There's also an in-between there. There's also... And it's... It's, it's difficult to tell the difference between it sometimes, but good creative should be able to tell the difference between it, in between what is burnout and what is, this is just work I'm doing. And oftentimes this is just work I'm doing rams into burnout real fast and real hard and it starts to become a problem. And in, I like I said, I did not finish the movie, but in in the Shirobaka movie, you encounter you encounter characters who very clearly burned out, burned out and fell away from the from the actual from the industry. The the former director of former head of the company now owns a little bar and restaurant and was like very happy and he's like I'm not coming back. When you first meet him, the the like assistant director straight up runs a bakery and is very happy with his life. <laughs> and they're okay with it. They're fine with it. it they, they, yes, do, do they probably still watch anime? Are they probably still very into it? Absolutely, but they don't like they they've recognized like this isn't for me. This. I don't want this to be me. I don't want to be that this this version of myself, whatever that is anymore. And so they move on. And that's something that lots of creative people do often too, is that they, either for a period of time or forever, they just leave whatever industry they're in and they go do something else. They go express themselves some other way. Like I... Like, you probably caught on to the fact that I was a graphic designer and that I was a pretty high-end freelance graphic designer, art director, creative director for a decade. And then I, I felt myself start to hit that wall. I felt that myself start to hit, like, a level of resistance that I was just like, fuck this, no. I like I I love this, but I do, I love doing this, but I more love doing something creative with my life and doing and engaging in the ideas of design. I don't need this bullshit. And if this is how the if this is how this industry is going to handle me, I don't need this fucking industry. And. In the character who starts a bakery, I forget his name, um, you see that. You see him. You see what, you see, like, he doesn't want that for himself anymore. And 
what ends up happening is he it is eventually they do start producing a movie and I don't know how it ends but I I just I just like like I said I I'm currently on vacation I'm recording this in the middle of the day and I just didn't want to like I didn't want to sit here with people who were clearly in the place I was just in as a creative professional. I didn't want to sit in that. And I I will probably come back to the movie and finish it and have a great time with it. Because it's very clearly really lovingly produced and really interested in what it's talking about. But I, like, I don't need that slog right now. I do... I do this podcast because it is about a thing I love enough that I decided I don't want to professionalize it. I want to, I want to love anime and I want to love animation. I don't need to do it for a living. And that, that's something that very many, and this is where I'll end this, I think. That's something that very many of my peers don't understand. Or at least to me, they don't seem to understand it. Is that like, I like what I do. I'm I'm very happy with what I do, generally speaking. I may not be happy with the way it happens all the time, but I, I, firing on all cylinders when I nail it and it, and I, everything goes really well, it's perfect. And I, I, I love, I love the thing I have produced for a client. Now, that doesn't often happen, but that's a factor of a lot of things. But I deeply love anime, and I deeply love animation, and I deeply love art. I went out and I bought myself a, um, a Echo Show 15, because it was the best digital photo frame that was not $9 billion. And I now have art from artists I follow on the internet that that isn't just on my phone or on my iPad that now comes up in a digital frame next to my bed every day. I love that. It, you know, I, I live for the art and artistry of animation and anime. And, and I'm not saying that anime isn't animation, but I think a lot of the fandom wants to believe that anime is the end-all be-all of artistry and blah 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 and I can tell you yes it's a unique moment in animation but you know the triplets of Belleville exist and like all these things like Bee and Puppycat exist all these things that are not anime but are still beautiful and made with heart and love exist and are awesome But in but the reality is, is that I'm also a creative person. I trained in animation. I trained in cartooning and illustration. I trained in fashion design. I trained in clearly graphic design and creative direction, all that stuff. So I watch this stuff with a mind of, oh, that shot's really interesting. That costs a lot of money. <laughs> 
of oh, that must have been a bitch to make. Of oh, this is clearly this studio like doing this for the fucking money. They're doing it because they know that it will get viewers and it will pay the bills. And that's fine. But I don't necessarily want to sit and watch a whole movie in which at least 45 minutes of it are just devoted to, hey, this is what an animation studio looks like when they just have to keep the lights on. And it sucks. So I invoked my right to fail. But that was an interesting enough feeling in me for me to like use it as an episode about this movie, about this movie that is for a property that I love. That is also clearly here because they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna have a real conversation about what it looks like when an anime studio isn't necessarily going to go under, but had a disaster happen, and now they've just gotta like. They've got to do the hard work of A, putting the pieces back together, and B, like, working not necessarily in a way that's, like, their passion, but is their, you know, that it's just a job. And on that note, if you like this podcast, new episodes of Lunchbox Radio come out every Thursday and every other Sunday, um... This Sunday, I think I'm probably going to do a show all about what good writing looks like. And, um, in anime and and otherwise. But if you are interested in that kind of meta commentary, definitely check out the Sunday episodes every other Sunday. Um, but until then, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk to you on Sunday. とりあえずとりあえずとりあえずとりあえずとりあえずとるものもとりあえずやってみようやってみようやってみよう少しだけ怖いけどやってみよういやってみる本当に本気なの
作りましょうアニメを作りましょう作りましょう作りましょうアニメーション作りましょう作りましょうアニメを